Previously on Pockets, P.D. Pockets and Coglean got to know Brack, a blind gizzard who had been attacked by Tuga. Brack was one of the gizzards that refused to join Tuga's army. But Pockets wasn't sure he could trust him, so he dropped him off and they continued their journey. Soon after, they were attacked by Shadow Knights, and who should come to the rescue but Brack? When the Shadow Knights had retreated, Brack asked for a ride into Bog's Deep, and as he stepped into the shell, he realized they were riding around in a giant turtle shell. Tuga's giant turtle shell. And now for Episode 7, The Wizard of Bog's Deep. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents The Adventures of Pockets. said, scratching his head. This is Tuga's shell? I'd bet my life on it, Brack said, touching the shell as if it might give him a shock. Pocket scrunched his face at Petey and Coglean. Tuga is a giant turtle? I thought he was just a big fat gizzard. So did I, Coglean said, staring at the shell in disbelief. Guess that explains why he's so slow, Petey said with a chuckle. Slow as snail slime he is. Pockets shook his head. Great, he mumbled. Now he has one more reason to come after us. How did you come upon this shell? Brack asked. My Otis said I was in the shell when it washed up on his island. Over the years I used it as my special fort. When the storm blew through a couple months ago... It carried me and Petey out to sea with it. How did Tuga lose it in the first place? Coglin wondered aloud. Brack tilted his old scaly head and listened for a moment. I don't think we have much time to stand around and chat. More Shadow Knights are likely to return. Let us carry on to Bogsteep, and I'll tell you what I know. Pockets and his friends agreed. They climbed back into the shell and sent the crabbies skittering further down the road. As the shell dragged through the forest, Brack sat back against the shell wall, twisting his staff thoughtfully. The stories say several years ago there was a battle off the shores of Yondra. Tuga and his followers, which was just a small band of robbers at the time, attacked a trade ship full of Beyonders. Beyonders? Pockets and Coglean said in surprise. Brack nodded. That's what they say. 
The Beyonders put up quite a fight, and Tuga and his gang were eventually forced to retreat, coming up empty-handed. Tuga lost his shell during the fight and has never recovered it. Many like yourselves have come to believe that Tuga is an abnormally large gizzard, but there are those of us who know better. Most of his kind were wiped out during the storms of Whitley. Much of the eastern shores where the giant turtles used to reside were washed away. He is the only known survivor. The storms of Whitley? Coglin raised her metal eyebrows. Why, those were a couple hundred years ago, at least. Three hundred years ago, to be precise, Brack corrected. The giant turtles can live for centuries. It's one of the advantages Tuga has over the other young-minded creatures of Yondra. He's seasoned, experienced, and knows the land well. But instead of using his wealth of knowledge to help Yondra, he has chosen to wield it as a weapon to build up an army. Perhaps he feels entitled to the throne as one of its oldest residents. Surely the cave giants are older than Tuga, Pockets asked. Oh, much, much older, yes. But the cave giants are a dormant species. They keep to themselves, mostly. He thought for a moment and then humphed. I'm curious to know how you washed up in that shell. Your family must have been aboard that ship when it was attacked. I can think of no other explanation, Pockets agreed. It was a terrifying thought, his family being attacked by Tuga and his gang while traveling aboard a ship. Had his parents fought valiantly? Had they survived the attack? Did they put him in the shell before the ship could sink? Brack sensed his discomfort. We never get the full story, boy. It's neither here nor there. Stories are all they are. But this much I know. That shell belongs to the terrible Tuga, and it will attract unwanted attention from those who recognize it. We're not leaving it behind, Pocket said sternly. I've had it my whole life, and I'm not going to throw it away just because some big fat turtle misses it. If he wants it, he'll have to come and get it. Brack grinned. That's the spirit. As they continued their journey, Pockets checked his trinkets to see what he had left and what condition they were in. He still had enough to work with, and given how close they were to the castle, he hopefully wouldn't need them much longer. Maybe the king would supply him with new trinkets before he set out on his quest. He pulled out the letters from his pockets and looked them over again. They'd been useless so far, and yet he couldn't bring himself to toss them out. Part of him thought there'd be something he could do with them eventually. He loved the idea of a good challenge. He looked down at two E's, a Y, and an L. Yeel? No. He tried assembling more of the letters. An O and an I. I yellow? Ugh, rubbish. Next to him, Petey was having trouble holding on to his egg. Whoa, whoa! It shook violently in his hand. Is it hatching? Coglin said, running over to his side. I don't know, Petey said. The egg shook some more. It feels like it's going to explode. Well, is it? Pockets asked. Do platypus eggs explode? I don't think so, Petey said. What do you mean you don't think so? I've never seen one hatch before, okay? 
The shaking suddenly stopped. The room went quiet. Petey carefully turned the big egg in his hands, looking it over. Strange, now so much as a quack. He gave it a sniff. <laughs> oh, there it goes again, stinking up the place like a toad fart. Coglin and Pockets looked at him. A toad fart? Pockets repeated. Petey covered his duck bill. The worst in all of Yandwa. But this, phew, hope it smells better when it finally comes out. Wait till my wife gets a sniff of this one. Pockets sniffed it. <laughs> oh, it does smell rotten. Are you sure it's okay in there? I've been walking it to sleep every night, and I sing to it every chance I get. I'd say it's more than fine. <sighs> Smells sulfurous to me, Brack said, walking over to examine it for himself. Gazing off, he felt the shell and shook his head. Never felt an egg like it, and I've eaten lots of eggs in my... <clears throat> I mean, I think it's all right. I don't know much about platypus eggs. An odd egg from an odd creature doesn't seem too surprising to me. Put a blanket over it. It stinks to high yondra. Petey did as suggested and rocked the egg once more, trying to get it to relax enough for a nap. Approaching bogs deep, called one of the crabbies outside. Oh, most excellent, Brack said, clapping his hands together. Oh, how I've missed it. Coglin pulled Pockets aside. She looked nervous. Pockets... What if I'm not able to open the castle gate? Pockets frowned. You weren't lying to us, were you? You are the cog key to the castle, aren't you? Shh, yes. Cogling glanced at Brack, who luckily didn't overhear. I am, but I've never actually opened the gate before. This is the closest I've ever been to the castle. What if... She glanced around again. What if I don't work? Pockets smiled and put his arm around her. You'll work just fine, I'm sure of it. Plus, we've got my pocket trinkets as a backup in case something goes wrong. They haven't let us down yet, nor have you. He gave her a pat on the back and left her standing there, looking even more uneasy. Pockets walked over to Brack. What business do you have in Bogsteep? I am meeting someone. Your family? Brack's shoulders slumped. Not family, no. Just an old friend. A close confidant. Pockets noticed the sadness in the old lizard's face. Where is your family? They went with Tuga, Brack sighed. I haven't heard from them since. Three boys and a wife. I'm sorry, Pockets said quietly. He looked over the big lizard and felt sorry for him. Pockets had long been separated from his family, but he still had Otis. He couldn't imagine being abandoned like that by her own wife and kids. It is unfortunate, Brack went on. They are no doubt experiencing the consequences of their choice now. I can only hope they will be back one day and that their suffering was minimal. That is all an old gizzard has these days. A small thread of hope. Ah, there it is. He sniffed the air. <laughs> the smell of the bogs. Nothing quite like it. As soon as he pointed it out, 
Pockets, too, could smell a strange scent in the air. It smelled like a stinky swamp. The air grew humid. Pockets poked his head out and looked around. A bustling village seemed to grow out of the trees. White tubular buildings with chipping plaster and moss-covered roofs filled the clearing. They had crooked doors and windows and yellow mushrooms growing out of the roofs. Muddy splatter marks covered most of the buildings as if the whole town had just finished a mud fight. Swampy pools of water steamed and bubbled in the middle of the street, moss and foam drifting along its surface. Muttering complaints under their breaths, the crabbies navigated around the deep, stinky pools as they pulled the shell through the village. The people in town didn't seem to mind the bogs. They went about their business, walking around them as if they weren't even there. Bog Steep was by far the largest settlement Pockets had seen since washing up on Yondra's shores. It was busy and full of diverse creatures. Small green gnomes bickered outside a church with a twisting roof. A few gizzards holding cards laughed at a table outside a tavern. A giant squirrel practiced shooting her bow at a target, hitting a third bullseye in a row. And most striking of all were these incredibly odd creatures that looked like part giant beetle, part pig, part moth. They were waddling around the streets and grunting at people. A few gnome children tossed the pitiful creatures some leftover bread. A number of people, Pockets noticed, were stopping to watch the giant shell move through town. Some had looks of surprise. Others were merely curious. One of them, a tall, strong gizzard with a thick mane of black hair, ran towards them. Brack? Brack, is that you? He called. Croven? Brack called out, his face full of excitement. Stop the shell! Stop it, I say! As the crabbies came to a stop, Croven ran over and helped Brack out of the shell. Croven couldn't believe his eyes. He looked Brack up and down. We thought you were dead, you old scalebag! We looked everywhere for you. Had you looked west of the hive, you would have found this old lump stuck in snail slime. Croven looked aghast. Snail slime? We heard nothing of a snail slime trap. The Shadow Knights kept heading us off whenever we searched around the hive. Slime? He shook his head again. Tuga's trap, no doubt. Brack nodded. His cruelty knows no bounds. Croven looked over the shell with a smile. But you did it! You defeated him! And you brought back his shell as a trophy! You mean my shell? Pockets butted in. Croven looked at him surprised. Forgive me, Brack said, pointing to Pockets with his pincer staff. This is Pockets and his friends Petey and Cogleen. They are the ones who saved me from the slime. Nice to meet you, Croven said with a slight bow. Thank you for saving my friend. This is Croven, Brack said. He was my gizzard captain, my number two. He fought by my side through many battles. I am still your captain, gizzard, Croven corrected. Oh, it's good to have you back, Scalebag. Good to be back. I'm afraid the boy is right. The shell is his. How he came upon it is a miraculous mystery. But I regret to report that the great turtle is not defeated. We grow stronger yet, 
These three are heading to the castle to fulfill a quest for the king. They are just passing through. Crovin looked quite disappointed by this news. I've heard nothing of a quest. It has been years since the king has put out such a call. He gave Pockets a curious look. But if a call to heroes has been made and you are answering it now, then it must be important. I hope this quest of yours involves ridding our land of Tuga. He shook his head. But you're only a boy. Have we any hope after all? I never said I was here to defeat Tuga, Pocket said. But even if that is my quest, we're not afraid of a big fat turtle. Crovin raised his eyebrows and looked back at Brack. By Yandra, he's got the spirit for it. Brack smiled. That he does. I hate to also be the bearer of bad news, Crovin said in a slightly quieter voice. But I'm afraid no one is going in or out of the castle gate. It is heavily guarded by shadow knights and a legion of trolls. Trolls? Coglin said. There are trolls in Yondra? I know, Crovin said. We were all surprised to hear it too. Who knows where the king dug them up or if he had his wizards conjure them. Either way, they are there and I've seen them with my own two eyes. They are having to catapult food into the castle. He's desperate, Brack said. But they've come all this way. Perhaps the king would grant them an audience if he knew they were here to complete a quest for him. Crovin sighed. If the king won't even chance a food delivery, he certainly won't chance a visit from a small band of would-be heroes. Not now, anyway. Sorry. Pockets clenched his fists. I'm going to that castle if it means we have to fight a whole rotten army of trolls. We didn't come this far to give up. But Pockets, what about the Shadow Knights? Coglin said. Have you already forgotten what happened in the forest? We have no way to fight them. Perhaps, Grovin interrupted, Fallen can assist. Not the cracked out wizard, Brax scoffed. His mind's washed away. Been drinking too much of his magical potions. Do you have a better idea? Are you going to give them your staff? Of course not, but Fallen? The man can barely tell which hand is which. If they insist on pushing on, it's the best chance they have, Crovin insisted. He faced Pockets. Fallen lives in the stone hut in the woods behind the church. Tell him that Bracken Crovin sent you. And be quick. The flyby will start soon. The flyby, Pocket said with a puzzled expression. Groven slowly looked at Brack. You did not tell them about the flyby? Brack scratched his sagging chin. I was getting to it. Never mind, Groven said. Just get to Farlin's hut and stay there for the next hour. You'll see what we mean. Pockets didn't like the sound of the flyby, and he certainly didn't like the look on Crovin's face when he said it. If time really was short, all he could do was listen to the gizzard and soon learn what the rush was all about. Before he could turn to leave, Brack caught him by the arm. Thank you for bringing me, Pockets, he said. You're welcome. King's quest or not, you have done a good thing, and that in itself is a worthy quest. Remember that, 
I will. Oh, and watch out for the Wally Crockers. They nip at your heels, those nasty buggers. Those are the Wally Crockers? Pockets looked at the weird beetle pig moths and imagined them trying to bite at his heels. It was all the motivation he needed to really pick up the pace. He grabbed Petey, who was asking everyone in town if they'd seen his wife, tossed him into the shell, and then climbed back in with Coglean and gave the floss reins a whip. The Krabbies dragged the shell past the church and up the hill into the woods. Behind them, everyone in the village scattered into their homes and businesses. The sound of doors and windows banging shut echoed down the streets. After the last door shut, the whole town went silent. All that could be heard was the scraping sound of the giant shell being dragged up the forested hill to the small stone hut. It was a charming little place with a cone-shaped straw roof and a small garden. A thin trail of smoke curled out of its crooked stone chimney, and poking out of one side was a little water mill that turned as water from the creek flowed through it. Beautiful berry bushes dotted the hill. For a split second, Pockets felt an achy feeling, a longing for his home on Split Rock. He remembered all the days he'd climbed up the big water mill back home. He'd get to the top and watch the seagulls fly around in the sunset. Otis hated it when he did that. He never liked it when Pockets climbed too high. Pockets shook off the memory and walked up to the old rounded door and gave it a good hard knock. Nothing happened. Maybe he's back in town. Coglin suggested. Where did everyone go? Petey said, finally looking back at the empty village. They're hiding, Pocket said. His stomach squirmed at the sight of it. Even the adorable Wally Quackers ran off? Petey noted. Pockets looked back at him. Adorable? We can't possibly be thinking of the same creatures. Before Petey could answer, a voice rumbled the ground. Who's there? All three of them jumped back and stared in alarm at the two round windows on either side of the door that were now filled with eyes. How was that possible? Pockets wondered. How could the wizard's head fill that whole hut? Uh, um, he struggled to find his words. I'm Pockets. These are my friends, Coglin and Petey. We're here to ask for your help. Bracken Crovin sent us? The gizzards, the wizard said. That's right, Coglin said. Are you going to open up or what? Why should I? Crovin and Brack are no friends of mine. We can be your friends, Petey said cheerily. I'll show you me egg. I don't want to see your egg. Go away. Please, Cogling pleaded. The big eyes caught sight of the giant shell and widened in the window. Pockets could hear the man mumble something to himself before he finally said aloud, I want nothing to do with it. Just then, the church bell rang. Its sound echoed through the empty village up to the little stone hut on the hill. Pockets turned back to the hut and saw that the eyes were no longer looking out the window. Good riddance, Pocket said, shaking his head. Come on, if he won't help, we'll just have to figure out another way. Let's go back into town and see if anyone else... Um, Pockets? Coglin pointed at the village. 
Pockets looked down the hill and noticed something emerging from one of the bogs. Something large was surfacing among the murky bubbles. Muddy water clung to its fur. Two big round eyes twitched, and a pair of wings shook free of the bog. More of them started to emerge from the rest of the bogs. Are those? Pockets blinked at them. Giant flies? Petey clapped. More adorable friends. As the clock bell gonged for the last time, dozens of giant flies flew into the air and swarmed the village. They knocked over wagons. They feasted on food carts. They splattered the windows, doors, and walls. One of them found a hiding Wally Crocker and carried it away, squealing. They're awful, Coglin cried. This would have been nice to know about, Pockets growled. Everyone in the shell. He pushed the terrified crabbies into the shell and then helped Coglin and Petey in after them. A few of the giant flies saw their movement and flew for the hill. Pockets struggled to cram Petey into the shell opening. The shell was completely packed. Watch me egg! <sighs> One last push and Pockets squeezed Petey in. He looked around in a panic. There was no more room. What if he wanted to shut the door? Come on, Pockets! Coglin shouted. We'll make room! Pockets looked back. The flies were almost upon them. He looked between them and the shell opening. Hang tight. I'll be right back. Wham! He slammed the door shut and ran into the trees, fumbling through his pockets. Behind him, he could hear Coglin's muffled shouts from inside the shell. The wizard's gaze returned to the windows to watch. The flies were getting closer. Think, think, Pockets told himself, digging through his pockets. The buzzing sound of the flies' giant wings suddenly triggered a memory. For a brief flash, Pockets was back on Split Rock, sitting in the kitchen, preparing dinner with Otis. Flies were hovering over the apples they were trying to cut up. Blast these flies, Pockets remembered himself saying. He could see himself clear as day, swatting at the air with the knife still in his hand. Otis had to duck out of the way. Oi, watch it, lad. You about cut me good. Flies aren't gonna sword fight ya. You have to be smart. He bounced his bushy eyebrows and then took out a strand of tape, covered it with honey, and set it out on the counter. Flies have a sweet tooth, they do. Pockets watched in amazement as the flies flocked to the honey and stuck to the tape. He laughed. Ha! Come and get it! The memory was gone in an instant. It ended as Pockets tripped over a root and rolled across the ground. The first fly snatched him off the ground mid-tumble and lifted him into the air. Pockets pulled out his clothespin and poked the fly in the eye. The fly immediately let him go and flew straight into a tree. Splat! Gah! Pockets landed hard and jumped to his feet. The next two flies were right behind him. He scooped up a handful of rocks and put them in one of his pockets. Then he took out his rubber band and loaded one sharp rock at a time. As he ran, he turned and fired the slingshot between his fingers. Fling, thunk! Another eye shot and a fly tumbled. Fling, thunk! Fling, thunk! He caught the next one in the wing, making it spin off into a tree branch. Several more giant flies back in town had heard the commotion and were flying up the hill. Their giant wings hummed. Pockets quickly pulled out his tape and wrapped crisscrossing strands between two trees, using up his roll of tape. Once a clear net of tape was made, 
He topped it off with a few streaks of glue from his glue stick for good measure, and then grabbed a handful of berries from the bushes nearby and began frantically smearing them over the extra sticky tape. The flies were almost to him. He was out of time. Hopefully it was enough. He jumped behind the sweet sticky net and shouted, Come and get it! The flies sniffed out the berries and charged the tape net. One by one, they rammed into the tape net and stuck to it. Their wings buzzed and buzzed, but the nasty bugs just twitched in the net. Pockets looked around to see if there were any more to worry about. He let out a sigh of relief as he watched the last of them fly back to the bogs and disappear beneath the murky water. Hate flies, Pockets said as he limped back to help his friends out of the shell. When the shell door opened, Petey, Coglin, and the Krabbies practically poured out of the opening. Behind them, a voice said, Come in before I change my mind. Pockets turned and saw a strange man standing in the doorway of the hut. He wasn't a giant at all. Quite the opposite. He was frail and not much taller than Pockets. His hair and beard were long and matted. His fingernails were painted different colors. Dozens of bracelets and necklaces hung from his wrists and neck. Markings covered most of his face and hands, and his skinny form was practically swimming in a burlap robe. Well, the wizard said, how about you come in so you can stare at me up close? Petey Pockets and Coglin exchanged a shrug and then headed into the wizard's hut. Ah, 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 the wizard stopped them just inside the door. Clean your feet on the mat. Don't want you tracking mud through the house. Pockets and his friends obliged, vigorously wiping their feet on the mat inside the door. But even that didn't seem to pacify the old wizard. He winced and chewed on his fingernail. No, 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 that won't do. Vispra! He waved his hand, and the mud on their feet instantly vanished. Whoa! The tingling sensation made Pockets jump. Ask permission before casting spells, Coglin said with her hands on her hips. Petey clapped happily. Do it again, do it again, that tickled. The wizard glared at Coglin through his stink eye. I'll cast whatever spell I wish under my roof. Come on then, out with it. What do you need help with? Have you seen a beautiful platypus carrying some eggs? Petey asked hopefully. The wizard considered him. Now? Can you help us get through the castle gate to see the king? Pockets asked. That would also be a no. Are you really fallen, the wizard? Pockets checked. That I am. Are you really riding around in Tuga's shell? That we are, Pockets said matter-of-factly. This seemed to catch the wizard by surprise. You're a curious lot. So why are you wasting our time if you can't help us? Coglin said irritably. Common courtesy, Farlin said. I watched you fed off the flies. Quite entertaining. So I thought the least I could do was hear you out. He stared at them with a glazed look for a long moment before adding, Bye-bye. Now wait just a second, Pockets refused to budge. You obviously have magical powers. 
You just cleaned our feet with the wave of a hand, and you made yourself look like a giant in your windows. Why couldn't you use a little of that magic to help us get past the Shadow Knights and Trolls? My spell magic is limited at best, Farlin confessed. My specialty lies with potions. You look a little sick, mate, Petey said, clicking his tongue. You know, if you stand on your head and sing the ABCs, that usually does it. I'm afraid this sickness isn't going anywhere, Farlin said. It's a side effect of the magical potions. Why are you drinking your own potions? Coglin asked. Who else am I going to test them on? Pocket shrugged. Squirrels? Rabbits? Mice? Says the cruel Beyondren. Never test my potions on innocent creatures. If I'm a true believer in my craft, I'll taste them myself. Pockets pointed to Farlin's skin that was covered in a confusing mess of jumbled letters and symbols. Is that what those markings are? Potion recipes? Farlin raised a matted brow. Maybe? Coglin had had enough. Surely there is a potion you can mix together that will help us get past the gate guards. This Beyondrin was sent here by the great magic of Yondra to save us. He's defeated the Pelopirates, helped save the Coggers, outwitted Big Bad Bok Bok, and many other miraculous tasks that point to only one thing. He's Yandra's hero, Farlin muttered dreamily. Cogley nodded. He's the one who will restore balance to Yandra. Now, now, Pockets laughed nervously. Let's not get carried away. To be clear, I'm only trying to get to the king to perform a quest. I never said I'd save all of Yandra. Actions speak louder than words, Petey sang, whistling and teetering on his heels. The king is a fool, Farlin said. The only quest he gives a barry about is to fetch him another bottle of cherry cider. He's no friend of Yandra. What about the other wizards, Pocket said. Doesn't the king have wizards by his side to help him? I can barely call them that. Disgraced, every last one of them. Think they're better than the rest of us? All because they sit on their magical behinds in their king's court. Blech! Their magic has gone soft. I use it only to call shadow knights and fill the king's cup. Our four wizards would be ashamed. And what would they think of you? Pockets proposed. What have you been using your potions to do lately, hmm? Things, Farlin said defensively. Help us get by the minions guarding that gate, and we'll tell the king's wizards that you helped us do it. That you were the mastermind. Farlin played with his matted beard, his eyes briefly going cross-eyed as he thought. I'd love to see their faces when you mention my name. Hmm. Fine, but you'll have to report back and tell me what they said. Deal, Pocket said, reaching out his hand for a shake. Farlin winced and then gently waved the air and said, Visra, cleaning Pocket's hand and making it suitable to shake. Now, Farlin said, 
To make a potion, I'll need some items that you've brought with you. What do you have? Pocket showed the old wizard all of his trinkets and the items they'd accumulated. They are some feathers from Bok Bok, he said, holding up the strand of tape holding the invisible feathers. Interesting, Fallen said, taking it. Interesting indeed. A little crumpsprig fin diddles knob and Casper's tail should do, he pointed at Petey. And a large egg. Not me egg. Petey held the egg out of reach. The egg's off limits, Pocket said. This is all we have. Okay, okay, okay. Follow me then, Glubinky. With another wave of the hand, a staircase appeared in the middle of the empty room, and Farland led the way down. The wizard's secret lair came into view halfway down the spiral stairs, an enormous cave full of glowing mushrooms, strange clocks, green fountains cascading into big black cauldrons. There were hundreds of vials lined up on rocky ledges, and a fog cloud full of light that glowed like a crystal ball, showing an image of Bog's Deep. Villagers were slowly coming out of their hiding places. Is that a spell showing you what's happening in the village? Pockets asked in amazement. It is. I conjured it with a simple snake-eye albeak potion. Really not a hard recipe. I originally mixed it to see when the villagers were coming with their pitchforks. But that was a hundred and fifty years ago. Now I just use it to people watch. Let me see here. He started grabbing vials off the rocky ledges and dumping them into the nearest cauldron. Then he tossed in Bok Bok's feathers and a few extra burlap robes he had lying around. And finally, a booger, please. Pockets looked around and then pointed to himself. You want a booger from me? Yes, please. Right in here, chop chop. Now, from the other nostril. Yes, right there. Good. Pockets picked his nose and flicked the booger into the cauldron. What is the booger for? Nothing, Fallen admitted, stirring it all together. I saw it the moment you came in the door. Been bothering me ever since. Now I can properly concentrate. Pocket shook his head, and the others joined him in leaning over the steaming potion brewing in the cauldron. Glowing streaks of green, purple, and orange swirled together in the bubbling liquid. Tefrochong Roth, Hithmachlim Roshi, Valen chanted quietly to himself as he stirred. The words glowed down through the long wooden spoon and added a magical shine to the concoction. A couple more magical words, and the glow faded from the mixture. Farlin reached into the dark cauldron and pulled out the three burlap robes, soaking wet and stinking to high yandra. Go on then, put them on, Farlin said excitedly. Pockets, Petey, and Coglin took the robes. Petey gave his a thorough look over. What's wrong? Coglin asked. Wanna make sure I didn't get the one with the burger on it. Satisfied, he threw on the robe, and the second he did, he disappeared. Pockets and Coglin gasped. Where'd he go? Pockets said. Go on, Farlin said with a smile. He's still here. Just put them on. Pockets and Coglin put on their robes, and immediately they too became invisible. 
I infuse the robes with the fibers of Bok Bok's feathers. Quite a stroke of genius, if I may say so myself. Now the Shadow Knights won't even see you when you stroll up to the gate. Pockets marveled at the magical robe and made even his exposed hands and feet invisible when he wore it. And the trolls? They can't see us either. Nope, but they will smell you. The mood in the room immediately deflated. What? Pocket said. If the trolls can smell us, then what's the point in being invisible? Ah-ah! That's where this comes into play. The wizard filled several vials with the remaining liquid in the cauldron. Feed this to your crabbies, and they'll look like spiders for an hour. Trolls hate spiders. I didn't know that, Coglin said. Are you sure? Quite sure, Farlin shifted uncomfortably. I dated a troll once. Long story. Really lonely time. But you have my word. They hate spiders. The other wizards don't know this. Wow, thank you, Pocket said, taking the vials and putting them into his pockets. Farlin looked at the countless weird clocks on the cave walls. Almost my bedtime. Out you go. Come on, come on, up the stairs. He abruptly led them back up the stairs to the front door. Uh, Okay then, bye, Pocket said awkwardly. He opened the door and headed for the shell. Vespera, Farlin whispered, waving his hand and leaving the door handle sparkling clean. Beyondren! Pocket stopped and turned around. Remember, one hour after the Krabbies drink the potion, then poof, back to normal. Got it. And don't forget our agreement. I want those wizards to hear my name. He paused and smiled. If you really, really, really are going to set this all straight, I wish you luck. I really, 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 really do. His words were starting to slosh together. Pocket smiled back at him. See you round, Farlin. He turned and helped Peeting Coglin into the shell before climbing in himself. With a flick of the reins, they were off. Watching them go from the doorway, Farlin pulled out an extra vial of the potion, unstopped the cork, gave it a curious sniff, and then downed it in one gulp. Within seconds, he grew a thick layer of black fur and six more arms sprouted out his sides. <laughs> Would you look at that? He laughed as he went back inside and closed the door. Racketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Pockets. Farlin is uh, quite the character. I am curious how his potion's going to work. We'll find out, so stay tuned. 
I want to do a couple shout outs. This shout out is for a very special patron, Reese from Bellingham, Washington. Reese, thank you so much for listening. I hear that you guys can basically guess the series, any of the series, by just hearing the theme song really quick. That's really that's fun. That's a nice little game. I like that. So, Reese, thank you so much, you and your family, for supporting the show. I want to read an Apple review. This one's from The Very Empty Water Bottle. That's the username that's on there. It says, I cried. And has a crying emoji. I cried so hard in the Space Train Season 2, Episode 6. Please, I need more. It was the best episode. We also need a Season 3 of Space Train from Penny in Spokane. P.S. I need a pet Gorfie. <laughs> that would be so awesome. We need. We do need some pet Gorfies of slime. I'm not a fan. Rocketeers, I'm going to be honest. As a parent, I'm not in love. And all you other parents out there can probably relate to this. I, this there's that slime that just kind of breaks off and sticks to things and it's really hard to get off. Oh, that'd be so, that stuff is so annoying. So if we ever did a blobby slash gorfy little character or merchandise or whatever, it would have to be the kind of smushy blob stuff that doesn't just stick to everything and ruin clothes because that stuff is almost as annoying as uh, confetti, I have to say. But that's a great idea. Who knows? Maybe in the future. Um, I'm glad you guys are enjoying Space Train. I'm seeing a lot of comments about Space Train, about pocket. About you guys enjoying pockets, uh, despite how ridiculous it is. Yes, it is. It is pretty over the top, but I'm having fun with it. Um, and thank you, Rocketeers, for leaving those five star reviews on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify. Now that you can do that, the five star reviews that helps. It helps people discover the show. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Rocketeers. Those who are becoming patrons and supporting the show that way seriously means so much, and it's it's really helped get some help with the audio editing. Oh, it's been great. So thank. Thank you so much, patrons, for your support. Thank you, Mom, Roxanne Webb, for helping clean up the story. And Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for his help editing the audio. Love it, love it, love it. Rocketeers, if you're looking for a way to support the show, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. You can become a patron at Patreon.com, whatever. Or just simply telling a friend or family member about the show, that is the biggest compliment you can get. And I love the feedback, the you parents, the kids that are emailing and telling me about your experience. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And by the way, you can now share your artwork on Instagram and we will put it in the official Rocketeer fan art album. I can't remember what my wife called it, you guys. I, I need to go check it. But anyway... Parents, you can post on Instagram. This is for parents. You can post uh, a picture of your kid's artwork and uh, tag the Purple Rocket Podcast Instagram page, and we will make sure that everybody can see your amazing art. So do that. I love looking at everybody's artwork and what you guys imagine these characters to look like. It's a blast. So please, I love it. And Rocketeers, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for just listening and supporting the show. And don't forget to keep checking back for all new episodes. Till next time. This is your host, Greg Webb.